Hello there, podcast listeners. It's Andy Clark here. Bit of a departure this time in the podcast. It's an interview with a Swedish-British crime historian who's unearthed new information about the possible identity of Jack the Ripper. Was Jack the Ripper a Dutch sailor? It's an intriguing new theory which has come to light. There have been many suspects down the years, but a definitive answer as to the identity of Jack the Ripper has never been found. So where does Hendrik de Jong, a Dutch sailor, a known swindler and murderer, fit into this picture? During the year 1888, the year of the Ripper crimes, he had been um, a sailor on a ship between uh, Rotterdam and London. So each time the ship came to London, he amused himself by murdering some hapless Whitechapel prostitute. When my guest today released his new research, the British tabloid newspapers couldn't get enough of it. So, has Jack the Ripper finally been unmasked? So, my name is uh, Dr. John Bonderson. I am a retired senior lecturer and consultant physician at uh, Cardiff University in Wales. And before I moved to Cardiff, I moved to London. And nowadays I live in Dunbar, Scotland. I moved here last year. Right. And you're also a crime historian, is that correct? Yes. In addition to my work as a doctor and a scientist, I have written more than 20 books, most of them about uh, historical crimes. And uh, there are two books about Jack the Ripper and another book called uh, Rivals of the Ripper that deals with uh, other unsolved murders of women uh, at about the same time from the 1860s until the 1890s. Why the fascination with Jack the Ripper then? Well, I haven't been fascinated with Jack the Ripper uh, per se. I'm, I'm fascinated with the Victorian crime in, in general. And of course, the greatest unsolved mystery of all uh, uh, during that time is that of Jack the Ripper. And uh, the consensus is that, uh, well, it's not a hard consensus about anything, but most people think that Jack the Ripper had five victims and five victims only uh, during the autumn of terror in 1888. Although some researchers agree and point out that there were mysterious Whitechapel murders both in uh, 1889 and uh, 1891. Okay. Uh, why do you think it endures so, so much, the Jack the Ripper case? Uh, well, uh, well uh, firstly, the murders were absolutely horrendous, particularly the murder of Mary Jane Kelly in uh, Miller's Court, uh, which is thought of uh, by many to have been his final murder. She was literally chopped into little pieces uh, in a in a most uh, sadistic manner, so the cruelty and uh, sang sanguinary nature of the, his crimes, and the fact that uh, he had at least five victims, and the fact that he was never caught. Yeah, well, that that certainly is. Uh, those are good factors, obviously, and I guess in in many ways, than a kind of first serial killer. Uh, well, he wasn't the first serial attacker. So the first serial attacker was the London monster who was active 100 years earlier in 1790. He was a sadistic individual who went around stabbing women in the buttocks with a knife and claiming more than 50 victims. And um, uh, he wasn't the first... He was the, he's the archetypical serial killer, but... Uh, 
then it depends how you define serial killing. I know that uh, Palmer the Poisoner, for example, uh, the doc- Dr. Palmer, he he claimed a, an entire series of victims uh, back in the uh, 1820s. So no, he wasn't the first. He was the he was the most the most notorious, but he wasn't the first. And what attracted you to investigate the identity of Jack the Ripper then? Well, the the thing is that um, I just published a book called Victorian Murders, and uh, I started writing that book quite some time ago. Um, And it's been with the publishers a long time. It was meant to be published in June 2017, and it was delayed by half a year. So part of it I've written quite a long time ago, and one of the cases in the book is the so-called Maidenhead Mystery of 1893, Uh, namely that uh, a young woman in Maidenhead, a nurse named Sarah Ann Jewett, she married a Dutchman named Hendrik de Jong, and Hendrik took her with him to Holland, and she didn't communicate with her family, which they thought was very queer because she was supposed to be very fond of her parents and sisters. And they got increasingly worried. And then the young turned up all out of the blue, and he claimed that she had eloped, from, ran away from him with a big American and gone to New York. And they didn't believe a word that he was saying, and they called in the police, and uh, Hendrik de Jong was arrested in Amsterdam. And then it turned out that he had actually married another woman, a Dutch woman, uh, a wealthy Dutch Dutch woman called Maria Sibylla Schmitz, and uh, she was also missing. So had the young murdered both his wives in quick succession to uh, get hold of their money? Well, the problem was that while the young was in prison being questioned and interrogated, he was a very arrogant character. They couldn't get anything out of him except from a, a load of uh, obvious lies and untruths. Uh, the problem was that they didn't find either of the missing women. So he had had some some very cunning stratagem to make sure that uh, both of the bodies disappeared, quite probably through um, him murdering them and then burying the, the bodies in in woodland. Okay, so he so, he was a very uh, uh, callous uh, and 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 well he was planning these things. So it seems then, and he had the form of of these potential murders. Although I guess it was never proved that the bodies weren't found. So how did that you make the link then between Hendrik de Jong, this guy in the Netherlands, and Jack the Ripper? Well, as de Jong was awaiting trial for murdering his two wives. There was a lot of writing in the Dutch newspapers and also the English newspapers and Swedish newspapers, German newspapers, that Henrik de Jong was none other than Jack the Ripper. Okay. They believed that during the year 1888, the year of the Ripper crimes, he had been um, a sailor on a ship between uh, Rotterdam and London. So each time the ship came to London, he amused himself by murdering some hapless Whitechapel prostitute, and then he went back to his ship and sailed home again uh, completely unscathed. So that would explain why the murders were never solved. And does, does, uh, the, does the timeline of the shipping movements fit with the, the murders then? sounds like According some... to the newspapers, it did, but uh, I was... Uh, uh, when I decided to expand the chapter from Victorian murders 
into a long article that was published in the January issue of the Ripperologist magazine, I realized I needed a helper who could speak Dutch. So I contacted uh, a Dutch researcher named Bart Droge, and he trawled the Dutch archives and he trawled the Dutch newspapers, and we got uh, a lot of interesting facts and, uh, about Hendrik de Jong, uh, and we tried our very best to find out where he had been in 1888. And uh, he was uh, he was in, in a lunatic asylum in the beginning of the year, but he was definitely out and about at the time of the Jack the Ripper murders. But we were not able to find uh, evidence that he had ever been in London, though. Okay. So um, the records of ordinary laboring men in those days were rudimentary, to say the least. I mean... We know what the Queen Victoria ate for breakfast, but the ordinary Dutch sailors, they uh, they uh, they haven't uh, left all that much archival material behind them. That's a different so the story. So conclusive evidence yeah. uh, that, he had been, uh, that he had been in London in 1888, we were never able to find. But but, but he was, did, if, sorry to interrupt you, but, but he was named as, as Jack the Ripper then, as you say, in European newspapers. I mean, in it, the European, that's why we call him the Continental suspect yeah. that he, they took him very seriously in uh, continental Europe but the English newspapers they thought bah here we have just a man who has killed two, his two wives and uh, the, the, there is nothing to connect him with the, with the Ripper case so they were, they were very dismissive however we did find out something very interesting uh, namely that the young was a, a serial killer that in addition to murdering his two wives in 1893, he had murdered two women above a pub in uh, Ghent in uh, Belgium in 1898. Right, wow. So whenever he was not in prison, he was murdering people. They put him in prison for three years after the, after the events of 1893 for swindling a hotel owner. And then uh, he hadn't been out long before he, he killed again. And the interesting thing about the events of 1898 is that he was again never caught. So what happened next? We'll find out in just a moment. I'm talking to Dr John Bonderson, retired medical specialist, lecturer and crime historian. He's also a ripperologist. Uh, Ripperology is the pseudoscience of hunting Jack the Ripper. We're talking about the possibility of Dutch sailor Hendrik de Jong being Jack the Ripper, the man who terrorised Whitechapel at the end of the 19th century, killing prostitutes and becoming one of the world's most notorious serial killers. We'll have more in a minute, but just a reminder, for more Here in Holland podcasts, subscribe in your podcast app of choice. There's more info on the website hereinholland.com. Actually, there's a lot of pictures related to this story on the website too, and other articles related to other podcasts. Uh, you can tell me what you think of the show there too. I'd love to hear from you. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please do, and uh, it would help tons if you could tell your family and friends to do so as well. OK, back to the interview. He managed to escape to America, and then he turned up in Boston a few months later, and he was again advertising for wives, mm. and he got a whole bundle of replies from trusting wealthy American ladies who were, were, would have been very pleased to marry a handsome young Dutch gentleman, as he described himself. 
And uh, those women were, were, of course, very lucky that uh, the police were called in and uh, the Jong was exposed and the letters confiscated because otherwise, God knows how many people he would have murdered in the United States. So the police in America knew of him then, I guess. They were, able... they, they were, they were informed that Henri de Jong, as they call him, mm-hmm. had, had uh, most likely come to America and that he was probably in Boston and he was active there under the pseudonym W.S. Preddy. Okay. And uh, contacting contacting wealthy women and offering to marry them. And uh, uh, and then he left for Cincinnati, and that's the last we know of him. Was there ever a question, so, that, so the American police didn't actually track him down and were able to, to arrest him? Or was there no, ever... we, we are dealing with a very cunning and clever criminal here, and... Uh, uh, he 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 was uh, and he he spoke very good English. He was a very he was an excellent linguist. He could speak German and French as well, although he didn't have any proper education. So uh, he definitely had uh, had what it takes to escape the American police, and uh, he was uh, clever enough to do it. There is no question that he was uh, had any form of insanity apart from. Uh, a sociopathy, of course. He was a sociopath, and uh, with a, with an abnormal interest in uh, swindling and cheating women, and uh, occasionally murdering them. So he had all of the gruesome credentials to be Jack the Ripper. Yes, there was a description of him um, in a book by in Dutch by his solicitor uh, Lambert Holbrink, and uh, Holbrink wrote a description of the Jung, a person completely without, uh, completely lacking conscience, capable of any crime, but but still clever, cunning, planning. So that was almost a profile of what we today know about Jack the Ripper. And do you, do you think he was Jack the Ripper then? No, I don't uh, actually. If, if really? I say, oh, okay. If I, if I had to answer by either yes or no, I would say no, because I'm quite convinced that the, the Ripper mystery will never be solved. What is lacking in the case of the Jong is evidence that he was in London in 1888. And also there is, um, there is um, uh, his modus operandi is different from uh, the, the presumed modus operandi of Jack the Ripper because uh, the Jong was a swindler who cheated women into marrying him and then he, he, he murdered them if they proved a recalcitrant. Whereas Jack the Ripper was, uh, he murdered just for the sheer fun of it. A more maniacal murderer, you could say, and, and, and like uh, the Jong, who was, a very, who was a clever, cunning, planning murderer who, had, who was confident that he would never be caught. Why do you make the link then if you say you don't think he was? Is Jack the Ripper? Well, well was? because uh, he, we, what we have a, what we have accomplished with the article is to um, to uh, ruffle the pieces on the chessboard a little bit and move him up the pecking order of the Ripper suspects, uh, and and um, maybe one day some researcher will find out where he was in 1888, and uh, that would be very interesting to know. And what we have all. What we've also established is that he has joined a select club, namely that of known serial killers active at the same time as Jack the Ripper.
So what you're saying is that uh, if you were pushed now, you would say no, but uh, that there's still a possibility. There is still a possibility, and uh, previous to our article, he was completely unknown. Uh, There are a few articles about him in in Dutch, but they are not particularly well-informed. And uh, we are the first people to to show him up as the clever serial killer he was and to investigate his uh, possible involvement in the Ripper crimes. So it's you've unearthed a, a gruesome Dutch uh, serial killer anyway, who possibly uh, is, is, well, you've certainly put him on the list of candidates now of potential Jack the Rippers. And as you say, who knows, research may turn up in the future, which puts him at the top of that list. Uh, quite possibly, but personally, I would doubt it. I don't think the case of Jack the Ripper will ever be solved. Why not? But, uh, because uh, that too, too much time has gone by. Uh, there are various uh, candidates that are thought of as being uh, being uh, promising. Uh, Montague Druitt, for example, who had destroyed himself in the Thames soon after the murder of Mary Kelly, but he is not recorded even to have uh, swatted a fly. He was he didn't have the killer instinct. And then there was uh, Aaron Kosminski, who was uh, a lunatic, a schizophrenic. Who used to go uh, go round the streets of Whitechapel picking up uh, crusts of bread from the gutters, but which prostitute would go with such a character? And he he doesn't he does seem to have the killer instinct either. And then there are entirely preposterous candidates uh, like the poet uh, Frank Miles and uh, the uh, the physician uh, Sir William Gull. And even Lewis Carroll, who wrote, and Alice in Wonderland has been brought up as a as a, as a ripper suspect. So really, uh, well, is there not, was there any evidence for that? No, not in the slightest. So uh, as time goes by, ripperology distances itself from its proper purpose, rather than going the other way, because there is so much money in publishing books about Jack the Ripper, and there are so many people with unsound minds out there uh, who have an obsession with uh, Jack the Ripper and who pick a suspect, and then they're absolutely convinced that that person is guilty. And today, any person can publish a book through this create space and other rubbish they have. They pay a sum of money, and then they publish their book, and maybe 20 people buy it. So I have an old friend uh, who regrettably died last year. His name was Richard Whittington Egan, and he was one of the finest ripperologists ever. He wrote some really excellent books about uh, Jack the Ripper. But even he, uh, he tried to follow the literature, but he gave up during his final years because of all the rubbish that was published. Yeah. And, and what happened to Hendrik de Jong in the end then? Do we know? Uh, well, the last thing we know that after being uh, narrowly as narrowly escaping the Boston police, he went to Cincinnati. So we don't know if uh, he became a cowboy and gunned down some Red Indians or if he kept on swindling women. And we don't know how many people he murdered in the United States, or if he murdered any at all. That is, uh, it would be uh, would be a, a good project for some American criminologist to look through the criminal annals of that vast country to find out if there are any murders that fit Henrik de Jong's modus operandi and to find out what happened to him in the end.
It's a fascinating the story. The impediment to such a stratagem, however, is that uh, uh, already in Boston he used an assumed name, and he was a master at fitting in. Mm. He could he could get away with it perfectly well uh, using an English name because he spoke such good English. Right. Okay. So it's it's a fascinating story, a gruesome story, of course, with those four known murders, two in the Netherlands and two in Belgium, and this link potentially to to being Jack the Ripper, if if even that may never be proved. It's a it's really it's 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 a very, totally unusual story. Is it also unusual for you, someone who's a crime historian who's investigating this sort of thing? Well, some of the cases in my book, Rivals of the Ripper, are curious enough. But it's not every day you find a new ripple suspect who is known to be a serial killer. He is a serial killer whether he was the ripper or not. So the problem was, of course, that he was active in countries where the history of crime is not taken as seriously as it is in Britain. So the people here, they think that he was just some blasted, some blasted uh, Dutchman uh, who um, who m- might have killed his wives. But we have proven differently and uh, that he is a very cunning murderer and certainly fits the profile of Jack the Ripper, although the, uh, the, there is, the conclusive evidence is, is lacking. Is there, are there any family members left from the de Jong family in the Netherlands? Was it possible to track them down? Very good question. I just uh, thought of that actually. That uh, he had some. Uh, his brother, his parents died young. He had some brothers who also died young, and uh, had a sister with whom he um, he corresponded uh, during the latter t- time of his life in the 1890s. So we haven't been able to find out what happened to the sister, though. I'm just having a look here. I have the paper in front of me here. Okay. Yeah. Well, I got it here. His his sister was named Elizabeth, and she died in 1937. Ah, okay. Yeah. So, uh, so uh, uh, I would say no. He certainly doesn't have, and there is no, uh, no uh, de Jong in Holland today who is related to him. So if he has uh, any relations, they are. Um, uh, offspring of his sister. And you haven't had any family members connect, contacting you after this has uh, had the publicity it's had? I think if I had been a family member of such a monster as Hendrik de Jong, I would have kept very quiet about that particular <laughs> blot on the family tree. <laughs> yeah, you could be right there. You could be right there. Yeah, okay. No, well, you never know. You may be contacted. Uh, somebody might be curious and maybe, you know, to lay this to rest or, or maybe well, curious. Well, it's to... funny you ask that uh, I wrote a book a few years ago called Murder Houses of London, three volumes about a lot of obscure London murders. And uh, I was contacted by the son of one of the murder victims. Right. And I was contacted by one of the murderers as well. Wow. Who objected very much to being included in a book when he thought that uh, his crime was long uh, forgotten. Ah, okay. (laughs) So you never know what might happen. no, he, but he was more than 80 years old, so he was not in a fit state to come and murder me, fortunately. So you weren't worried about it? No, no, not in the slightest. <laughs> okay. Hey, well, pr- Professor, thank you very much for talking to me. No, it was a pleasure. I was talking to Dr. John Bonderson in his new home in Scotland. 
The connection was via phone, so the audio wasn't as clean as usual, but it was a fascinating conversation, which I hope makes up for the scratchy sound. Dr. Bonderson is a retired medical specialist and lecturer, and author of a host of books on historical crimes. He's written more than 20 books, including two on Jack the Ripper. His latest book is called Victorian Murders. Hope you enjoyed this edition of Here in Holland. For more Here in Holland podcasts, check your podcast app, iPhone or Android. Just search Here in Holland and subscribe and you'll get the lot. They're on the website too, hereinholland.com. And please tell family and friends all about the podcast. If you want to really show your appreciation, then you could give me a review in your podcast app, Apple Podcasts or your Android app or wherever. And remember... We know what Queen Victoria ate for breakfast, but... uh... Ordinary Dutch sailors, they haven't uh, left all that much archival material behind them. From me, Andy Clark, thanks for listening to Here in Holland, and I'll catch you next time. 